Hello, and welcome back to the Very Hairy Podcast. I'm your reader, Talon, and let's get started. Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire by J.K. Rowling, read to you by Talon. Chapter 9, The Dark Mark. Don't tell your mother you've been gambling, Mr. Weasley implored Fred and George as they all made their way slowly down the purple carpet stairs. Don't worry, Dad, said Fred gleefully. We've got big plans for this money and we don't want it confiscated. Mr. Weasley looked for a moment, for a moment as though he was going to ask what these big plans were but seemed to decide upon reflection that he didn't want to know. They were soon caught up in the crowds, now flooding out of the stadium and back to their campsites. Rakaus, once again, I do not know how to pronounce this word. Um, I'm just going to say ruckus singing was borne towards them on the night air as they retracted their steps along a lantern-lit path and leprechauns kept shooting over their heads, cackling and waving their lanterns. When finally they reached their tents, nobody felt like sleeping at all, and been, and given the level of noise around them, Mr. Weasley agreed that they could all have one last cup of cocoa together before turning in. They were soon arguing enjoyably about the match. Mr. Weasley got drawn into a disagreement about cobbling with, about cobbling with Charlie, and it was only when Ginny fell asleep right at the tiny table and spilled hot chocolate all over the floor that Mr. Weasley called a halt to their verbal replays and insisted that everyone go to bed. Hermione and Ginny went to the next tent, and Harry and the rest of the Weasleys changed into pajamas and clambered into their bunks. From the other side of the campsite, they could still hear much singing and in the odd echoing bang. Okay. Hmm. Okay. Anyway. Oh, I am glad I'm not on duty, muttered Mr. Weasley sleepily. I wouldn't fancy having to go tell the Irish that they've got to stop celebrating. Harry, who was on the top bunk above Ron, lay staring up at the canvas ceiling of the tent, watching the of occasional leprechaun lanterns flying overhead and picturing again some some of Crumb's more spectacular moves. He was itching to get back onto his own firebolt and try it out try out the wonksty feint. Somehow Oliver Wood Wood had never managed to convey with all the ruling diagrams with all uh, wriggling diagrams what that move was supposed to look like. Harry saw himself in the robes, had his name on the back, and imagined the sensation of hearing a hundred thousand strong crowd, a hundred thousand strong crowd roar as Little Bagman's voice echoed throughout the stadium, and I give you Potter. Harry never knew whether or not he actually dropped off to sleep. His fantasies of flying like Crumb might, might well have slipped into actual dreams. All he knew was that, quite suddenly, Mr. Weasley was shouting, Get up, Ron, Harry. Get up, Ron, Harry. Come on now, get up. This is urgent. Harry sat up quickly at the, and at the top of his head hit the canvas. So, what's the matter? He said. Dimly, you could tell that something was wrong. The noises in the campsite had changed. The singing had stopped. 
He could hear screams and the sound of people running. He had slipped down from the bunk and reached for his clothes, but Mr. Weasley, who had pulled on his jeans over his own pajamas, said, No time, Harry. Just grab a jacket and get outside. Quickly. Harry did as he was told and hurried off out of the tent, Ron at his heels. By the light of the, of the few fires that, was, that were still burning, he could see people running away into the woods, fleeing something that was moving across the field towards them, something that was emitting old flash odd odd flashes of light and noises like gunfire loud jeering roars of laughter and drunken yells were drifting towards them and then came a burst of strong green light which illuminated the scene a crowd of wizards slightly packed and moving together with wands pointing straight upward was marching slowly across the field harry squinted at them they didn't seem to have faces then he realized that their heads were hooded or hooded and their faces masks masked Oh, head above them, floating along in midair. Floating along in midair. Um, four faces, ah, four struggling figures were being controlled into gross, grossetic shapes. It was as though the masked wizards on the ground were puppeteers and the people above them were marionettes operated by invisible strings that rose from the wands in the air. Two of the figures were very small. More wizards were joining the marching group, laughing and pointing up at the floating bodies. Tents crumpled as and fell as the marching crowd swelled. Once or twice, Harry saw one of the marchers blast out of his way with his wand. Several caught fire. The screaming grew louder. The floating people were suddenly illuminated as they passed over a, bur a burning tent, and Harry recognized one of them, Mr. Roberts, the campsite manager, and the other three looking as though they, they might be his wife and children. One of the marchers below flipped Mrs. Roberts upside down with his wand. Her nightdress fell over to reveal voluminous drawers as she struggled to cover herself up. As she covered... Uh, as he... Mm, excuse me as she <laughs> struggled to cover herself up as the crowd below screeched and hooted with glee that's sick ron muttered watching the smallest mobile child who had begun to spin like a top 60 feet above the ground his head flopping limply from side to side that is really sick hermione and jenny came hurrying out towards them pulling coats over their nightdress with mr weasley right behind them and at the same moment, Bill, Charlie, and Percy emerged from the boys' tent, fully dressed, with their sleeves rolled up and their wands out. We're going to help the ministry, said Mr. Weasley. Mr. Weasley shouted over all the noise, rolling up his own sleeves. You lot, get into the woods and stick together. I'll come and fetch you when we've sorted this out. Bill, Charlie, and Percy were already sprinting away towards the oncoming marchers. Mr. Weasley tore after them. Ministry wizards were dashing, were dashing from every direction towards the source of the trouble. The crowd beneath the Roberts family was was coming closer, was coming even closer. There we go. Oh, I better drink of water. Oh. Come on, said Fred, grabbing Jenny's hand and starting to pull her towards the wood. Harry, Ron, and Hermione and. Harry, Ron, Hermione, and George followed. They all looked back as they reached the trees. The crowd beneath the Roberts family was larger than ever. Than ever. 
They can see the mystery wizards trying to get through the hooded wizard in the center. But they were having a great difficulty. It looked as though they were scared to perform any spell that might make the Roberts family fall. The colored lanterns had lit the path of the stadium. That had lit the path to the stadium had been extinguished. Dark figures were blundering through the trees. Children were crying. Anxious shouts and panicked voices were reverberating around them into the cold night air. Harry felt himself being pushed higher, higher and thinner <laughs> by people whose faces he could not see. Then he heard Ron yell with pain. What happened? said Hermione, anxiously stopping, stopping so abruptly that Harry walked into her. Ron, where are you? Oh, this is stupid. Lumos. She, illum she illuminated her wand and directed its narrow beam across the path. Ron was lying sprawled on the ground. Trip over, tripped over a tree root, he said angrily, getting to his feet again. Well, with the feet the size, with feet that size, it's hard not to, said a drawing voice from behind them. Harry, Ron, and Hermione turned sharp, sharply. Draco Malfoy was standing alone nearby, leaning against a tree, looking utterly relaxed. His arms folded. He seemed to have been watching a the scene at, at the campsite as though through a gap in the trees. Ron told, told Malfoy to do something that Harry knew. Oh, Ron told Malfoy to do something that Harry knew he would never have dared say in front of Mrs. Weasley. Language, Weasley, said Malfoy, his pale, glittering eye, his pale eyes glittering. Hadn't you better be hurrying along now? You wouldn't want, you wouldn't like her spotted, would you? He nodded at Hermione. And at the same moment, a blast like a bomb sounded, sounded from the campsite, and a flash of green light momentarily lit the trees around them. What's that supposed to mean? said Hermione, definitely. Granger, they're after muggles, said Malfoy. You want to be showing off your knickers in midair? Because if you do hang around, they're moving this way, and it would give us all a laugh. Hermione's a witch, Harry snarled. Have it your own way, Potter, said Malfoy, grinning maliciously. If you think they can't spot a mudblood, stay where you are. You watch your mouth, shouted Ron. Everyone... Everybody present. Oh. Everybody present knew that mudblood was a very offensive term for a witch or wizard of muggle parentage. Never mind, Ron, said Hermione, quickly seizing Ron's arm and to restrain him as he took a step towards Malfoy. There came a bang from the other side of the trees that was louder than anything that they had heard. Several people people nearby screamed. Malfoy chuckled softly. Scare easily, don't they? he said lazily. Suppose you Oh Suppose your daddy told you all to hide. What's he up to trying to rescue the muggles? Where are your parents? said Harry, his temper rising. Out there wearing masks, aren't they? Oh, out there wearing masks, are they? Malfoy turned his face to Harry, still smiling. Well, if they were, I wouldn't 
I wouldn't be likely to tell you, would I, Potter? Oh, come on, said Hermione with a disgusted look at Malfoy. Let's go and find the others. Keep that big bushy head down, Granger, sneered Malfoy. Come on. Oh, come on, Hermione repeated as she pulled Harry and Ron up the path again. I'll bet you anything his dad is one of the mask one of the ma one of that masked lot, said Ron hotly. Well, with any luck the ministry will catch him, said Hermione feverently. Oh, I can't believe this. Where have the others got to? Fred, George, and Ginny were nowhere to be seen, though the path was packed with plenty of other people, all looking nervously over their shoulders towards the commotion back at the campsite. A huddle of teenagers in pajamas were arguing ferociously in a little way along the path. When Harry's, when they saw Harry, Ron, and Hermione, a girl with thick curly hair turned and said quickly, uh, it's in French, one minute. Oh yes, Madame Maxime? No, ah, I don't know how to, I'm sorry. <laughs> Um, I'm gonna try the best I can, but, um, it's probably gonna be really bad. I'm sorry about that. Um, anyway. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. Oi est Madame Maxine? No, I have no Purdue. <laughs> I'm, I'm not good at French. I'm sorry. Uh, what? Said Ron. Oh, said the girl who had spoken, who had spoken, turned turned her back on them. Ah, I'm sorry, I cannot talk. <laughs> um, oh, said the girl who had spoken and turned her back on him. As, and as they walked on, and as they walked on, they distinctly heard her say, Hogwarts. Bobatons, muttered Hermione. Sorry, said Harry. They must be Bobatons, said Hermione. You know, Bobatons, Academy... Bobaton Academy of Magic. I read about it in a preschool of magic education in Europe. Oh, yeah, right, said Harry. Friend George can't have gotten far. Can't have gone far, said Ron, pulling out his wand, lighting it like Hermione's, Hermione's and squinting up the path. Neck. Got a kink in my neck. Sorry. Ooh, and my hat fell off. Um. <laughs> anyway, friend George can't have gone that far," said Ron, pulling out his wand, lighting it like Hermione's, and squinting up the path. Harry dug in the pockets of his jacket for his own wand, but it wasn't there. The only thing he could he could find was his omnoculars. Ah, no, I can't believe it. I've lost my wand. You're kidding. Ron and Hermione raised their wands high enough to spread around the narrow beams of light farther on the ground. Harry looked all around him, but his wand was nowhere to be seen. Maybe it's back in the tent, said Ron. Maybe it fell out of your pocket when we were running. When we were running, Hermione suggested anxiously. Yeah, said Harry, maybe. 
He usually kept his wand with him at all times in the wizarding world, and finding himself without it in the midst of a scene like this made him feel very vulnerable. A rustling noise nearby made all three of them jump. Winky, the house elf, was fighting her way out of a clump of bushes nearby. She was moving in a most peculiar fashion, apparently with great difficulty. It was as though someone invisible were trying to hold her back. There's bad wizards about, she squeaked distractedly as she leaned forward and labored to keep running. People high, high in the air. Winky, Winky is getting out of the way. And she disappeared into the trees on the other side of the path, panting and squeaking as though she, as she fought the force that was restraining her. What's up with her, said Ron, looking curiously after Winky. Why can't she run properly? But she didn't ask permission to... Bet she didn't ask permission to hide, said Harry. He was thinking of Dobby. Every time he had tried to do something the Malfoys wouldn't like, the house elf had been forced to start beating himself up. Lean back a little bit. There we go. Okay. Okay. No, house elves get a very raw deal, said Hermione indignantly. It's slavery, that's what it is. That Mr. Crouch made her go up to the top of the stadium. Top of the stadium. She was terrified. And he's got her bewitched so she can't even run when they start trampling tents. Why does why doesn't anyone do something about it? Well, the elves are happy, aren't they? said Ron. You've heard old Winky back the match. House elves are House Elves is not supposed to have fun. That's what she likes, being bossed around. It's people like you, Ron, Hermione began hotly, who prop up rotten and, and unjust systems just because you're too lazy to... Another loud bang echoed from the edge of the wood. Let's just keep moving, shall we? said Ron, and, and Harry saw him glance edgily at Hermione. Perhaps it was truth, truth in what Malfoy said. Perhaps Hermione was in more danger than they were. They set off again. Harry still searching his pockets, even though he knew his wand wasn't there. Okay. How many pages do we have left? Wow, Lee, that's a lot. Um, whew, I'm going to take a break in a couple minutes, just so you know. Okay, anyway. I should need to lean back even farther. I got a huge kink in my neck. Oh, okay, there we go. That's better. Anyway. Okay. Let me find where I was. Perhaps there was truth in what Malfoy had said. Perhaps Hermione was in more danger than they were. They set off again, Harry still searching his pockets, even though he knew his wand wasn't there. They followed the dark path deeper into the wood, still keeping an eye out for Fred, George, and Ginny. They passed a group of goblins who kept, who were cackling over a sack of gold that they had undoubtedly won betting on the match, and who seemed quite un unproduced by the trouble at the campsite. Farther, oh, still along the path, 
they walked into a patch of silvery light. And when they looked through the trees, they saw three tall, beautiful velas standing in the clearing, surrounding by, surrounded by a gaggle of young wizards, all of whom were talking very loudly. I pulled down about a hundred sacks of... Um... I pull down about a hundred sacks of galleons a year, one of them shouted. I'm a dragon killer for the committee of, for the disposal of dangerous creatures. Ah, oh, goodness. <laughs> no, you're not, yelled his friend. You're a dishwasher at the leaky cauldron. I'm a, but I'm a vampire hunter. I've killed about ninety so far. Third young wizard, whose pimples were visible even by the dim silvery light of the villa, now cut in. I'm about to become the youngest ever minister of magic, I am. Harry snorted with laughter. He recognized the pimply wizard. His name was Sh Stan Shunpike. And he, in fact, was, in fact, a conductor on the triple-decker night bus. He turned to tell Ron, Ron about this, but Ron's face had gone oddly slack. Next second, Ron was yelling, Did I ever tell, did I tell you I've invented the broomstick that can reach Jupiter? <laughs> I am going to take a break here. I have decided, since this is such a long chapter, I will be making a part one and part two. And I will be making part two tomorrow. So, look tomorrow for part two of Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, chapter nine. And... This has been the Very Hairy Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Bye-bye.